Welcome to the Knife Journal Podcast, episode number 70. I'm here with James Noka, and we have a special guest. Yes, we do. Derek Bond from Knives Ship Free. Hey, Derek. So. Hey, how are you guys? Good. Good, good, good. Man, what a lot of stuff going on, huh? We, uh, Derek, yeah. Derek just launched this program where he's giving away knives for kids, so we're going to get right after our knife content right away. Then we can bitch about politics later. <laughs> <laughs> There's plenty going on there too, isn't there? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm surprised that the uh, I'm surprised that the Democrats haven't haven't banned you from the, <laughs> the internet for for God's sakes. For uh, yeah. So for get, why don't what before we get too deep down that rabbit hole? Tell us tell us about this program so that the audience has some context. Okay. Well, so my idea was that I want to help parents pass their passion for knives down to their kids. And so I started out just wanting to do some educational content on our website to help parents use a good knife. And how, how do you pick one out? You know, what, quali- what, what things do we need to look for? How do, we, how do we teach our kids to be safe with it? That sort of thing. And then I got this wild idea that how about at the end of this, I show them the knife that I recommend people in our store, um, which is a buck bantam. And, and at the end I just say, and if you'll give me your, your information and your kid's name, I'll put their name on the knife and I'll send it to you for free. And so that's how it started. And it, and it blew up like crazy. Oh my goodness. Yes. Um, we, we actually launched it on a Saturday afternoon and I just put a post up on, on it on Facebook, and they just started selling like crazy. Selling, we started giving <laughs> them away for free, <laughs> like crazy. And um, and my my idea was, that I figured I'd give away a thousand of them in in the first month, and then I'd probably it'd probably settle down and do a couple hundred a month. Well, by Monday afternoon, uh, we had had given away four thousand knives, which uh, I only had a thousand on hand. And um, so I'd order 3,000 more knives just to fill all those orders. Wow. Hmm. Wow. Now, we've, we've since had to change the program because uh, it doesn't take a, real, a really good mathematician to figure out that you can't sustain that very long. Um, because they end up costing us a little over $20 a piece to put in somebody's hand. And uh, so we have now shifted the program. So if you go to knivesshipfree.com and look for the Knives for Kids uh, tab at the top, uh, when you get to the bottom and we show you what knife we recommend, now we charge $10 for it. It basically just keeps the people out who are trying to just look for something free. Yeah. Well, and on top of that, it probably costs you that much to ship it. Well, yeah. You, it's kind of funny that just the uh, the labels and envelopes to ship out these four thousand knives is uh, almost a thousand dollars. Huh. Wow, that's amazing, isn't it? 
And and obviously that was a lot of. Do you think that this was strictly the knife people that these went to, or do you think that they no. were other people that found you other ways? Well, it it really spread very quickly. Um, I would say that most of them, well, well over half of them went to knife people to introduce their their kids to to knives. A lot of them went to grandparents who bought them for all their grandkids. Bought them. Why do I keep saying that? <laughs> they they got well, them you, for all you, their grandkids. You bought them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I bought them. And and you know they want to introduce their kids to these things, and yeah. I, and that's great. Those are those are though. And and it's interesting. I sent out a letter and said, hey, you know, we've been overwhelmed. It's going to take a little while to get these out. And it's those people, the people who are trying to who are really caught the vision and trying to give a knife to their kid, um, those are the people that wrote me back and said, hey, I understand. This is so cool, but if you have to cancel my order, that's okay. And, of course, we didn't cancel their orders. We just, right. uh, because we really want to give them to them. Uh, you know, we had to go through and, and sort through and try to find the scammers and, and uh, there was cancel none of, those orders. None of them, was there? Uh, there were a few. There was a, there was a lady on Facebook, and I have her name, and I almost uh, I almost published it. I, it's probably good I didn't. But anyway, uh, she went on and she used various names and stuff, and, and we tracked them all down. She bought, got she she stole uh, over a hundred knives, and she was bragging on Facebook to her friends that she was uh, she was getting these and going to sell them. Ah. And what a great deal. And then she had two or three of her friends that got 40 or 50 of them. God, what is wrong with people? I don't know. That's crazy. That's just crazy. It's pretty nuts. You know, it's it's interesting because I, I know I talk about this a lot, you know, because we grew up carrying pocket knives at a very young age. And it it saddens me nowadays to see that, you know, young kids can't do that anymore because... uh of the the fear that doesn't belong in anywhere, actually. I mean, and for God's I sakes, mean, if you if you don't ever if you don't learn how to use the knife, if you're scared of it, and you don't ever learn how to use it, then you're just missing out. Yeah. And I mean, it's such a it's the it's the most useful tool you can put on in your pocket, <clears throat> and it, and people have been using them for. Tens of thousands of years, or however long—I don't even. Well, know. you know, you know what's funny, and I think I've said this on a previous podcast. We used to play, and I, and I know today uh, everybody's going to be aghast when I say this, but we used to play mumbly peg in the in the school lot at recess all the time. That yeah. was like the that was like one of the one of the games that we all played with with pocket knives. And 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 for the record, that's probably a bad idea. Yeah, well, <laughs> but you know what? It's I don't I cannot recall one child ever getting stabbed. No. I, I to be honest, I don't even remember anybody getting cut using. We, you know, I used to I, I'm I used to take my knife to grade school, and show and tell, and dude, I I carried a knife since I was in third grade, literally mm-hmm. to 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 school since I was in third grade. Yep. Um and it, it was a common. I mean, I wasn't the only kid. I mean, everybody, all the young men. In fact, you know, it was funny. I, I, I never got them, but I always teased for a pair for a pair of boots that had a knife sheath in the side of them. I don't mm-hmm. know if you remember that from Boys Life, Kyle. Do you remember that? Did they have those when you were a kid? They were like the, they were like knee yeah. boots with fringe on them that 
had a knife sheath oh, on the side. Oh, exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, you, you know, and maybe I'm dating myself, but that was that was what kids my age wanted. That was mm-hmm. what we wanted, and um, and now they can't even carry a, a fixed blade knife in uh, Boy Scouts. Well, I think you know, that's actually uh, troop by troop or district by district because I, I know I I thought that too. And a friend of mine, uh, Leon Pattenberg, he said that's not true. He and he's a big Boy Scout guy. Oh, that's good. That is yeah, that's it's really good, good because because we, you know I remember the the whole totem chip card thing, you know, and how important mm-hmm. that was to have that. And boy, if you got a corner nicked off of that, and you if you got caught screwing around with your knife, even if you weren't in at a scout function and you got you got in trouble for you know carving on somebody's desk or something um you'd get a corner nicked off your card and once you had they were serious about that stuff you ain't a shitting and there'd be if there was one corner that was if if you had three of them nicked off you lost your card yep you know that was it i mean you were you had to go through the whole program again and do it and demonstrate all the skills over Mm -hmm. and that was miserable Especially when it came to using the hatchet. How many times did you have to go through that program, Jim? Never. I, I went through. I, well, I went through it one time. I never. I actually never lost a corner because I. I was pretty responsible, actually. I was never carving in anybody's desk. I. I never threatened anybody. Nothing like that. I waited till later to do that. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, I never threatened anybody. They. They never get a warning. <laughs> I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing. <laughs> Honest NSA, if you're listening. Mm-hmm. Yep. We actually had uh, quite a number of really angry people that wrote me and, and uh, said, "I can't believe you're giving knives to kids. You hmm. know how that's so dangerous." And um, I love the balloon. So, I love that. I thought that was oh, hilarious. Yeah, I did that. I did that video, uh, obviously tongue in cheek, uh, and and it didn't really answer those people. I I answered those people nicely, but um, the but the balloon video was just a ton of fun to do. And then uh, yesterday or day before, I did a retraction of that because apparently balloons are really quite unsafe. <laughs> you know, you know what's funny, I. We've changed so much as a society, it's not even funny. I, I mean, I was watching, uh, we're, Kyle got me turned on to watching Vikings. And there's a scene in there where the, the, the king has a child that has, a, a, you don't even know what his, his deformity is, but he's deformed somehow. And it, it's probably, historically, they were probably going after a, Condition called osteogenesis okay. imperfecta. So that means what? His legs were goofed up or something? Brittle, brittle yeah. bones. So, yeah. so the so the king is is like I'm taking the kid out for the wolves to eat, and the mother's like, no, 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 you can't do that. You know, you got to. And that and that was thinking that that was probably the beginning of the end. That was probably <laughs> the, at the point in time when when we decided that calls are okay to live, and look where that's got us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That'll generate some letters. Yeah, I'm guessing so. Yeah, that is that's what James said. Um, Kyle was silent <laughs> on the issue. For the record, Senator. <laughs> no, well, but, but on, it is it is interesting how you know big uh, um, 
cultures did that. I mean, well, we've, the Spartans we've, did it. We've uh, actually stopped, I mean, in our culture, we've actually stopped thinking that we're mortal. You yeah. know, so 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 we spend ridiculous amounts of money at at the time of our death to extend our our life maybe a few hours or days yeah. and. Uh, and then the other thing that we do is we're so afraid of we think we have to be safe in everything we do yeah and the truth is the world's not safe you know nope. you, if if you trip over a a, a sidewalk a crack in the sidewalk and fall down you shouldn't be able to sue somebody because you have these eyeballs on your head to notice those things mhm yeah that personal responsibility thing there's a lot to be said about that and knives are a great way to teach kids that because the it, it and it doesn't mean get another law. It means that if parents that are involved with their kids and they do the essentially the same thing that the scouts did with the totem chip card, and you yeah. say, you say, son, I'm going to give you this knife. Here's how you use it. If you violate that, I will take your knife away, yep. and then we'll talk about it later. Yep. And and you know what? If that kid loses his knife once, he's going to pay attention. Yeah. And because it's the parent's job to do that. Right. And then you teach people responsibility. And when they cut themselves, you say, well, shouldn't have been doing that. Let's, uh, let's put a Band-Aid on that and yep. don't Move do on. it again. Move because on. we have this pain response that stops us from uh, doing things over and over again. Yeah. Yeah, and that's, it is interesting because you've got, uh, like, I hate to say this, but I think it's the generation that, that we spawned, um, you know, I mean, seriously, it's like my kids, that generation, um, mm -hmm. because we were so free to do what we wanted to do, and we're so afraid that if, if our kids do that today, they'd be in jail, mm -hmm. you know, and I think that that's part of the, that's part of it, what, whatever the reason that, that, that has come to that, it's, it, I think that that's the, I think we created this whole, you know, people are afraid to do this or people don't hurt your kid. Or you got to have three baby monitors and a freaking, you know, don't bring your kid to bed with you because you're going to smother them. You know what? We had all three of our kids in bed with us at any number of times and we never killed one of them. <laughs> you know, I, mean, I, I yep. don't understand where, where this stuff comes from. It's like, you know, I, I won't say that I was the most responsible parent in the world. But I got to tell you, you know, kids need to learn stuff. <clears throat> yeah. You know, I had a wood stove. We had a wood stove in our house and um, and a wood stove at my, my parents' house. And one day, my oldest boy, and I don't know if he remembers this, actually remembers it or just remembers the story being told, but he was like two and a half years old, and he walked right up to the wood stove and put both his hands on it. You know, and it was probably you know, 500 degrees, I'm thinking, 450 degrees. So he had some pretty nice burns on his hands. You know what? The I kid, bet he didn't do it again. He, the kid didn't die. The kid never even went to the hospital. We, you know, took took care of him. Basic first aid solved the problem. And uh, you know what? He never touched it again. Mm -hmm. Real simple. I mean, I didn't walk up to him and grab him and push his hands on it. He did it himself. And, you know, we basically told him, hey, Jim, you're going to get burned if you play with that. Don't touch that. You're going to get burned. See? Look at that. You got burned. What did we tell you? Don't touch so it he, again. 
Did you get a big settlement from the wood stove people? Yeah, you think, huh? <laughs> yeah, you think. I should have. Actually, yeah, right. Actually, I still have the wood stove, which is funny. But, you know, it's 30 years later. He's no, he's no worse to, for the wear. You know, I mean, he, he learned a valuable lesson. He never burned himself again. You know, it's just, it's it's that kind of stuff, though, that you've got these hover, I guess they call them hover parents, right? Hover parents? I've not heard the term. Helicopter uh, parents? Helicopter yeah. parents. They're, they're, like, hovering over them all the time. You know, we can't do this. I mean, I just heard something the other day about a, a 10-year-old and a 6-year-old walking a quarter of a mile or a half a mile from a park to their home. Oh, no. Did you hear about that? It was on the news. And they're, and it's like they, they took this, they took this couple, I mean, the court. Is that me? Uh, that was me. I'm killing it. Sorry about that. Oh, well, I have the same ringtone. <laughs> and it's usually mine that goes off. Anyway, um, yeah, they, 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 uh, uh charged this family with, uh, something child, it's some kind of child neglect, but it wasn't like beating or anything like that. It was just, you know, I was like, are you kidding me? I just have to walk a mile to school or over a mile to school in second grade. You know, how old well, I? I was even 10 years old? Kindergarten actually had to walk that far. A mile and a half, I think. And, and uh, you know what? I am here. Well, my parents used to just give me a time to be home, and I knew the parameters of, that I could go. And, uh, you know, I could go basically a mile in any direction. Yeah, pretty much. And, uh, you know, they knew where to find me. And at, whenever I looked at my watch and it was time to get home, I headed home. I remember, I remember a time when we had to be on the, on the front porch when the streetlights came on. Mm-hmm. And when it, if it came close, you were like running your ass off just to get to the front porch before the yeah. streetlights came on. I remember that as a, you know, I remember my dad telling a buddy of mine, a buddy of his, um, I had to be home at, I think, uh, now this is in, I was driving, so this was like in high school, and I and I said I was going to be home at 11.30, I think, and my dad and his buddy were sitting at the kitchen table bullshitting, and, and uh, it's like a quarter after 11, and uh, my dad's friend said, what time is Jim supposed to be home, or Jimmy, what time is Jimmy supposed to be home? And my dad said, oh, he's supposed to be here at 11.30. And he said, ah, he'll be late. And he'll say, nope, I'll stake my life on it. (laughs) And uh, 25 after 11, I was home, and I walked in the door, and I guess he breathed a sigh of relief. But but it was, you know, it's like we just did that. That was, you know, and no cell phones, no, you know, call me if there's a change of plans. Call me if you're doing this. Text me. I want to know where you're at every moment. Turn on the GPS so that I can find out where you're at every moment. I mean, come on. It's, it's crazy. Yeah, that, anyways, back. Well, is there any knife-related <laughs> content you well, want to talk about today? I or? think that that was. I mean, I think that, that, I think that that's all about teaching responsibility, and, and Derek's program is a great program for that. It's the, it's the start of something that yeah. needed to be done probably, you know, 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, my hat's off to you. Well, I appreciate it. And since we've started it back up again, we've probably given away another, well, we've done a couple hundred more knives at the, uh, at the $10 price point. And, I mean, it's still just a great thing to give to your kid. 
And we're shipping out the last 3,000 of them this week. Now, um, were you able to find uh, the, the whole Tote and Chip program in the Scout Handbook? Um, yes, I have. Uh, I actually went back and I looked at one of my old handbooks, and I'm ordering one off of eBay to use for some photographs and things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's a because it is a, it's a good program. I mean, it's a real. I mean, that's a that's a good set of rules to live by for mm-hmm. for teaching knife safety and stuff for kids. Well, we're going to do ongoing educational stuff on the kids, um, and we're actually ultimately going to have a a kids page with where we're going to have projects to give to kids with knives and parents to work with their kids and things like that. Cool. Cool. Very cool. So, um, obviously the store is doing fairly well. Knife, yeah. Knife ship free. Yeah. And we have a, we have an online presence and then we also have a brick and mortar, which is just kind of a, it's just fun for me because people who come through Portland, um, will swing by if they're on a long layover, they'll swing by and take a look at knives and talk knives. And it, it, it's a blast. That is. And, and the, and the online thing is, is, uh, it, it's growing quickly as far as we've got, we've hired a bunch of, uh, really top notch staff and I'm really pumped about it. Mm-hmm. What is, uh, obviously the online probably you sell, have, uh, sell more than, uh, than you do in the brick and mortar store, just because of the sheer number of people that oh yeah that come to the website. You know, you, um, I mean, a specialty store. It's very tough to uh, to make a living at that because you know how many people use knives is everybody. How many people love knives is a much smaller part, and how many people love knives well enough to buy really nice knives, and right. that's even a tinier sliver. Yep, yep. it is a very small market. Yep, it's a very, very small market, but it does it does surprisingly grow. Mm-hmm. Um, I think well, I think people it's, who people who love nice things and love knives. I mean, I mean, all of us are this way. I mean, you just get obsessed with it. You know, it's a it's something that I just love having a fine knife in my pocket. Mm-hmm. You mean to tell me you don't carry a, a mora? I don't even own a mora. <laughs> that's all the mora people out there now I, they um there is there is different levels of of uh knives that people i know a lot of guys that call a 50 dollar knife expensive a ton of mm-hmm. guys that call i mean i don't know what the hell they're buying because i don't even think i own yeah i might own a 50 dollar knife but that's about it i don't think i own much much under that Oh. Well, uh, well Swiss yeah. Army knives. But the, you know what? They're, how, what's a, what's that Spartan cost nowadays? Is that that's twenty five bucks, thirty bucks? Mm, I don't know. But which, by the way, makes a good knife for a kid. Mm-hmm. Swiss Spartan knife, Swiss Army Spartan. But and uh, you know something that we point out on our educational thing is that. Really, the best knife for a kid to start out with is a fixed blade. Yeah. Uh, nobody really wants, everybody, like you were saying with the scouts, everybody's afraid of fixed blades. And I don't know why, but they're, they're just intrinsically safer. Yeah. Than, well, that, actually, actually, we were allowed to carry fixed blade knives on a camping trip before we could carry our folding knife. Hmm. 
which That's was interesting. which was funny because that what you had to like you could carry one while you were working on your totem chip card, mm-hmm. but you couldn't carry a folding knife. Because, we could, because we I could think, carry a knife while we were working on the totem chip, but we were not allowed to get it out unless we were in a class. Yeah, that's funny. That's funny. I, what year were you born? I was born in 1968. Oh, you're like 10 years younger than I am. I'm practically a kid. Yeah, and I'm 36, so what does that make you, 26? <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> um, no, that's a... That's a um, I don't know. That's just a good program. But what's what's your best what's your best selling knife? Not um, not brand. What what well, single model are you just like? Oh my god! I cannot keep these. Besides the one that you're giving away. I've given phantoms away. Four thousand <laughs> in a week. I was, You didn't let me finish. I was going to let that <laughs> let that one slide because you're the one that's buying those. Hands down, it's the uh, the Bark River Bravo. Really? We've sold thousands of those. I think. Um, and especially if you expand it into the different steels and things like that, there's no doubt. And then, um, and then one that's close behind it would be a Griptilian. See, I would have believed that the Griptilian would have been like because of the price point and the quality that's there. Well, one of the, we've only carried Benchmade for two years, yeah. so. So it's taken me a while to develop any following in Benchmade or Zero Tolerance. Yeah. Now, is it, is, we're adding those things, but uh, adding those followers, but um, but it takes a while. Yeah. Well, does does uh, the Zero Tolerance do they have? Um, do you get the? They do a lot of limited run stuff, right? Hard to get stuff. They, yeah, they changed right whenever I got in the program. They changed so that they only sold limited editions directly from from Kai but then this then they changed it again this last time and and released uh released a limited edition and they sent it to like five dealers which I was not one of them and I'm going to have to talk to them about that but <laughs> so yeah and I am I'm so impressed benchmade and zero tolerance are just top shelf knives, and uh, so I sell a lot of both of those because I'm so impressed with them myself. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep, I have a pair of seven tens that I really like, and I it's I, the hard to beat um, knife. You know, I mean, you get the axis lock, good steel, mm-hmm. good designs. Mm-hmm. Yep, simple designs. Yep, yep, yep. So. Exp- why why do you suppose the Bravo is so popular? Um, well, of course, it, uh, Bark River Knives, I, I'm nuts over them. I and all that stuff. But I think whenever the Bravo came out, uh, it, it, Mike didn't come out and say, oh, we've designed this for this uh, this Marine team, recon team. But it got out, and uh, and so people were kind of excited about it for that reason. And so I think they started buying it, and I think more people who hadn't bought Bark Rivers bought it, and then people started talking about it, and then the snowball just goes. Yeah. I know that the, the number that he told me that he made of those, I about fell over. Uh-huh. Because I was surprised. It's by far the most, the big, the most that he's made of any one knife was that – well, and if you throw in just the Bravo 
knives that are the you know the Bravo LT and then the Bravo 3V and all those things. Uh, yeah, there's it's a staggering number that mm-hmm. they. I think people people under underrate that com- company, <clears throat> not knowing how many knives they actually make. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty amazing. It is pretty amazing. So that's a that's the uh, the number one and the number two. Now, as far as knives that you sell through the store, is through that the a, store, is that a number different one number? Would be the yeah the Griptilian would be number one, and um, bar, there wouldn't be any Bark Rivers in that because Bark River has so many models. So mm-hmm. people come in. I have I sell a lot of Bark Rivers out of the front, but uh, I would say the Griptilian's number one, and then the number two is probably a Shun. Uh, chef's knife. Oh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. And that's and you're right in the middle of knife country. Yes. You know, so you're not the only knife shop around, are you? Um, you know, there's pretty much. Yeah, there, a specialty knife store is kind of a dinosaur. Um, there's there's one in Portland called Hawthorne Cutlery, mm-hmm. and they they mostly focus on swords and. Uh, they have all kinds, they have a whole bunch of different things in there. So it's not strict cutlery. Um, and they do a lot of used stuff. And so we're very different than they are. And, you know, we carry a really wide selection and his his is not. So, um, we're the only one that's like us, but there's, there's one other knife to you. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Bark River Knives offers the best combination of ultra-modern CNC components and old-world craftsmanship. All Bark River Knives are hand-convex ground and sharpened to perfect cutting geometry for the task they are designed to perform. Bark River Knives are available through our authorized dealers. Well, it, the Oregon Knife Show still in, in uh, still yeah, happening, it's, and it's still big. Next uh, week, when is it? Is it it's coming it's up? Isn't it? Mid second week in April, I think. <clears throat> it's still big. Yeah, yeah, it's still pretty big. Do you uh, do you go? I had I go every year, and I've only had a table there one year, and I have one this year as well. Um, I, I just am not sure I'm going to set up. It's just a lot of work. I I love meeting people, and but the thing is, since I started um, doing YouTube videos, uh, people recognize me, and so if I just walk around, I meet people because they come up and talk to me, right. which is really cool. Yep, yep, yep. I don't even charge for autographs. <laughs> <laughs> Why? You should. It's another line of work. I know. I know. It's just the kind of guy I am. Yeah. What's Maybe I should give away autographs instead of bantams. Yeah, that'll that'll be good. <laughs> that'll be good. Whip that out in in class and see what that gets you. Yeah, nothing. I'll bet. No, no. It'd be hard to uh, to whittle a spoon out of with it too. Yeah, it'd be hard to whittle a spoon. Kind of quiet there, Mister Cupcake. What's going on? Well, you guys are you guys are having. Uh, Plenty to talk about. I don't really have a whole lot to well, add. Take something away. So. What's uh, <laughs> what's what's going on in Iowa? Anything? 
Oh, not much. I got uh, bacon in the oven. Actually, I have to go bacon check it. Bacon in the oh, oh, from the from the cure thing. Nice. Yep. I decided uh, to just do it oven bake up to uh, 150 mm-hmm. internal mm-hmm. temperature, and then I'll cool it and hang it, and yeah, the rest is good. the same. What when you when you're cooking like that? What yeah. you, 200 degrees or what? What do you? No, okay. about 225. And then uh, takes a couple hours. You, the idea is you want to bring the temperature up fairly slowly, so that it doesn't mm-hmm. just melt away and stuff. You're, you're not looking to cook it; you're looking to just raise the temperature a little bit. Sweet, sweet. So you didn't know that yeah. uh, that Kyle made bacon, did you, Derek? I, I did not. Are you a bacon fan? Huh. Are you yeah. a bacon? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Who isn't? I just want to just want to make sure. You know, there's some people in our audience that are not. Hmm. Not likely. <laughs> well, I'm sure that there are some Muslims in our audience that. Oh yeah, I guess you're to, right. There are some, but you know they have to get <laughs> some. They have to get some information on uh, on uh, what what knives to use. <laughs> no, I don't go there. That's Jim, no, that's. That's I, I do not want to have to edit this. Gym, no. Yeah, no. They. Um, yeah. Oh, we get enough emails. I. I. Uh, <laughs> no, I. You know, I'm. Uh, uh, getting ready to tap trees because spring is almost here, and maple syrup is going to be running next week. So I'm pretty excited about that. Hmm. Do you guys? Do you guys do? Do you even have winter, Derek? We don't. It's like you're in a rainforest, aren't you? We are, you know, uh, latitudinally, we are about the same as as uh, the as you are. Uh-huh. But because we're on the coast and we're between two mountain ranges, <clears throat> the, the clouds come in and cover it up, and our average temperature in the winter is 45 degrees. Yeah. So, so is that isn't that considered a rainforest? I have no idea. There's a lot of trees, and it does rain. <laughs> So, so it must be a rainforest. I thought that yeah. that was considered that area was considered a rainforest, but so you don't get they don't probably don't even make maple syrup there. They're probably the conditions just are not there. I don't think they do. You probably don't even have maple trees, do you? There's some, but yeah. I don't know that there's any indigenous ones. But. Yeah, yeah, that's a big deal here. We, I mean, literally, I think all almost all my neighbors tap trees up here. Mm-hmm. And boil sap, boil syrup down for or sap down for syrup. So everybody's getting kind of excited right now because it's next week. It's supposed to go over thirty degrees. So everybody's got their bracing bit out and getting their getting their tubes and their buckets ready. And <laughs> this this weekend, probably Sunday, will be the day to tap trees. And then the gallons of that. Sweet goodness, <laughs> and then that, actually some of your some of your syrup from uh, last year went into yeah. the uh, bacon. Yeah, all you have to do is make your bacon like mm-hmm. you would standard, you know, with your cure, and they, there's formula for how much to put on there, and then add a half a cup of maple syrup, and you don't have to do anything Ooh, different. And it flavors the meat. Neat. So that going to be good for PWIP? Awesome. Should be. Yeah, it's uh, it's awesome. going to be done today, so. Awesome. 
Yeah, that's yeah. a that's a uh, bacon is a good thing, and it does go well with maple syrup and pancakes. Uh huh. We had a um, yeah. we had French toast the other day, which I don't make a lot of that because we don't usually eat a lot of breads. And our local bakery up here just started a thing called the local loaf, which I'm not sure I like that um, <laughs> that name yet. But uh, what he did was he he went. He's got a couple farmers that he buys wheat from that are right local here, and he grinds his own uh, grinds his own flour, mills his own flour, and makes the bread was really really good, but it was it was um, I guess you call it a rustic loaf. It's real heavy, and it was the and it had a real uh-huh. hard crust on it. But it made very very good French toast. The other thing that he had that I made French toast out of, which was amazing to me that I made French toast a couple of days in a row, was um, a pecan cherry loaf. So, and with and Ooh, I, in good. French toast, it was unbelievable. With my maple syrup on it, it was phenomenal. And I was thinking, the whole time I was making it, I was like, man, this looks really good. Then I started eating, and I was like, I cannot believe why restaurants would not be making this. <laughs> you, yeah, well, you'd, I think you pay for that. <laughs> I mean, I think, I mean, I, see, to me, I would pay for that. I would, I would pay for, it's like, I guess that's why I like good knives. I would pay for something if it's good. You know, mm-hmm. I don't want to, I don't, oh, I've yeah. gotten to the point in time in my, in my life where I don't want to, if I can make it at home, Better than I can eat at a restaurant. I don't want to eat at that restaurant. I want somebody to do something better than I can do if I got to pay for it. Otherwise, I'm not doing it. <laughs> you know, and it's mm-hmm. you got another. Don't you have a lot of nice restaurants in Oregon? Yeah, um, actually, Portland is known for the kind of their homegrown restaurants, and yeah, eating here is amazing. Do, do you have do you have vineyards there too? Uh, yes, there's uh, they're all around uh, Hillsboro where I live, and um, they make really good wine up here. Yeah. Now, do you sell any of those? Um, what the hell is that sword called that you open a bottle of champagne with? I don't know, and no. You know what I'm talking about, Kyle? It, it looks like a short sword, uh-huh. and you slam it up the. It's a And you and you and basically what they do is the the uh, the waiter will take this sword and he will open the bottle of champagne with it and he'll he'll basically run it up the neck of the of the bottle until it hits the cork and it pops the cork out. Hmm. Never heard of it. <clears throat> I've only been in one restaurant that they actually did that, and it was a very expensive hmm. meal. But I can't remember what the name of that little sword is called. It's not sharp. It's a, it, but it looks like a sword. Hmm. Yeah, it was it was neat. Cool. I was like, oh, that thing's awesome. <laughs> I have to look it up and see what the hell it is now. So I have a a movie okay. knife to tell you about. So did anybody see the movie uh, Spartan with Val nope. Kilmer? I did not. Well, I didn't either, and apparently it's a really good movie that a lot of people kind of missed. Um, but he has an auto knife in there that he whips out in a bunch of scenes, and apparently he stole it off of a guy he killed or something. I mean, I haven't seen the movie, but that's the story I'm getting. Well, 
it was by a small company named oh, okay. Severtech, and uh, it was like, you know, they didn't make it for a long time, but they've just recently re-released it. Um, so there's a did, something for our people to look up. There's a Severtech. Did you buy that? Available now. Is that what I'm hearing in the background clicking? No, um, you probably heard my dog uh, clicking on the door with her. Oh no, I think I'm hearing a knife open and close. No, you're not. You sure? About I was about not oh, for me. Maybe, maybe it's Derek. Positive. Is that you, Derek? I don't. I don't think so. I'm not messing with the knife. Hmm. I must be hearing things because I was thinking that any minute I'm going to make the comment about that other knife podcast that's you always hear clicking in the in the background. Oh <laughs> yeah, that's both of them. <laughs> that's funny. So so I know I know both that the uh, one of our friends that. was real excited about it, and I think he ordered one. I'm not sure that he got it yet. Yeah. Chance Sanders. Yeah, he was supposed to get it Monday. So yeah. we'll have to see what he says about it. See if he likes it. I know somebody else who ordered one, but um, I'm not at liberty to say who that is. Because uh, that oh. person might get in trouble. Would it be, would it be somebody that, that I know? person's wife. Yeah, yeah it might what, be. That's what I thought. <laughs> mm. Yeah, so... See, we have to have these secret conversations because everybody and their brother listens to this thing, and uh-huh. we're not allowed to disclose a lot of uh, vital personal information because uh, some members of our families will attack us for it. <laughs> <laughs> what? Um, yeah, as far as autos go, that um, my favorite is that that Benchmade Mel yeah. Purdue one. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about? That thing is just awesome. It's just bomb-proof. It's Have great. Have you seen their new serum it's knife? It's one of my favorite knives. Um, uh-uh, it I'll is look it up a right now, though. double-action uh, axis lock. And so it works just like a regular axis lock most of the time. And it's a super nice knife. And then uh, if the knife is closed, uh-huh. and you pull the axis lock back a little bit further, then it is an automatic. Oh, that's cool. It's super Oh, nice. Cool. What is it called? Serum? Serum, S-E-R-U-M. It's like, yeah, it's got like the finger groove. It's it's indexed, for lack of a better term. It's a super neat knife. I really like it. Oh, that does look nice, doesn't it? Yeah. I'll have to get yeah, one it's of them. cool looking. I wonder if it's uh, ambidextrous because that's Spartan. As it well, yeah, turns out, it is, is not. It is because oh, it's the an axis serum lock. is. Yeah. See that's. Yeah, but sometimes they, well, you know, I mean, it, the opening it'd be, but the, you see that the one side of the finger, one side of the scale is grooved for your are. index finger. Yeah, so it just be no, it whether is. the other side is or yeah, not, both, which both I guess it is. Then they got knife okay. on both sides too. <clears throat> I think they yeah, learned you can that reverse early it. on. You got to remember, Benchmade. Benchmade actually came out with left-handed knives. I mean, back in the day when they made the CQC, uh-huh. what was it, 6? CQC 6, I think? Or CQC 7? CQC 6, I think. They made actually made a complete mirrored image of that knife. So they appreciated left-handers a lot sooner than, the, than the, a lot of other companies did. Uh-huh. But and that, I think it's true. I think one it's of their, true to one say of their, all of their axis lock knives are completely ambidextrous. I think that that's true. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. I think that, that that's true too. I mean, 
One of my favorite of their autos is the oh, yeah. uh, Infidel. Yeah. That little out yeah. in the front double edge mm-hmm. deal. <laughs> That's cool, but they're pricey. Last I priced one, it was like four hundred. Yeah, they're they're a little over four hundred dollars for the big one. Oof. To me, I, I that's a lot of money. I'm not a good uh, a big out the front guy because they're cool as all get out. But the, let's be honest, they're a one use knife. The the, the cut in geometry yeah. is terrible. The you know, the blade has has movement in it and stuff. So it. All that is, and all that's normal for any out the front. It's, but it's just not. It's not my thing. Didn't they? Didn't they make one that's got like a single edge? They did. Um, although now, Microtech makes one like that, and I've always, I've always been pining yes. away for one of those because Microtechs lock up real tight when they're old. They do, and, and Microtech does have the the single edged yep. one, and yep. it and it has good cutting geometry yes, as well. Yes, exactly. That's what I was going to say. It's like that's the one that. That I have always been intrigued by because it was actually something you could use as a knife. Um, mm-hmm. But most of the other stuff that they made out the front wise was not was basically made for stabbing. Right, they're all dagger type stuff, and yeah. so I'm not crazy about that. But um, but yeah, the, that infidel is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you do you sell any uh, battle uh, songs? We sell some out of the front of the store, but on our website you'll notice we don't. We don't have automatics or um, ballet songs because PayPal and Google both hate those knives. And uh, so, if if we, you know, if we're trying to advertise on Google and they find an auto on our site, they'll just shut us down and blacklist us. Isn't that wild? Isn't that wild how they do that? It's crazy. It is. Um, and I'd tell you my real thoughts, but I'm pretty sure they're listening. <laughs> Because they have that ability. <laughs> uh-huh. They have that ability. I, my real thoughts are: I love Google. They are wonderful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> they own everything. You know, I read a book about uh, ten years ago, and I can't—I I don't remember the exact title—but it was basically about the information, information technology, and where you know it's like finding the needle in the haystack or something like that. Was the title of the book. And it was all about the internet and controlling information, and how the people that control the information are the ones that are going to be in power. It's true, and it's and it is totally true. It is totally true. No matter how hard, you know, Bing or some of the other search engines want to work, <clears throat> ain't going to happen. There's another search engine. Exactly. Hmm. Exactly. I don't know. It's yeah, Bing. Isn't there like internet? Exp- doesn't the Internet Explorer have a and function? Is it, wasn't there a company like Yahoo or something? Yeah, I don't know. Yahoo. <laughs> they're, they're gone. Are they totally gone now? No, no, they're still around. They they actually do uh, e-commerce platforms, and then their their search engine is more of a uh, of a directory than an index. Uh huh. So they don't. They still don't have a bunch of crawlers. I mean, I remember back in the day. <clears throat> this is going to date myself. My oh, they still crawl everything. Yeah, they, um, we can watch and we see. We Google crawls us every day, and yeah, Yahoo I, does. And I remember when I built my first website, which was ninety five, I think nineteen ninety four, ninety five, and I remember registering it with all those different search engines. 
because that was what you did back then. And wasn't that right. they didn't have whenever I first started? That's what we'd had to do too. Yeah, you had to, and then and then somebody had come up with a with a uh, with a program that you ran from a website that would register your your uh, domain with all of those different programs, all those different sites. It's interesting. Hey, if I could segue this to uh, internet to knife content. Mm-hmm. Um, Jim used to run knife forums. Where, can you talk for just a second about where do you see knife forums, not knife forums, but forums in general going in the knife industry? Personally, I, I see them as... I see them as viable, um, still viable. I think that they are still one of the greatest uh, hangouts uh, because the sites tend to be not so biased as Facebook or some of the other social medias mm-hmm. that have showed up on on the on the web. Um, the searchable aspect of it, you know, I mean, you if you notice that if you search something on Google, you'll never find a Facebook. Post. No, you can't find. Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, you'll find you'll find people and their Facebook profiles, but you will not find information about anything particular. Now, you will find that stuff on all on basically forums show up all the time on yeah, blade forums, knife forums. Yep. They're all at the top. Yep. And it's and I think that's because I've always said that that the reason for that was the search engines always wanted organic information mm-hmm. better than contrived information. And while you could buy those spots, and to this day I think you can buy those spots, um, there still was a section that showed up all the time that was totally organic from the web crawler's standpoint. Mm-hmm. And and so I still see them as very viable, very uh, – uh, I think they're – I think most forums are totally mismanaged, Um Speaking from experience, um, I think that uh, um, that if if people really wanted to run forums properly, um, they would they would not have such heavy-handed moderators. Um, that was always my my big deal about about our moderators. You know, it's like you, you guys just got to be nice. You know, that's it. You just got to be nice. And if you have a problem with somebody, treat them nice. Treat them nice. I'll be the one that has to treat them bad. If I have mm-hmm. to get involved in it, then then there'll be some issues. And and you know what? We had how many? I mean, I've had had knife forms for twelve years, and and you could probably count the the major league blowups on one hand. Mm-hmm. You know, all that time. Um, you know, yeah, that's everyday, it's very everyday respectful there. Yeah, it's an everyday occurrence on some of the other sites, and and I think that um, I think that that would be the only thing that would make changes would make people start shying away from it. Eventually, you do get tired of that and you walk away from it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think forums will have their place. I, I yeah. just I'm you know I'm just trying to figure out what you know what it's going to look like in a couple of years you know is is a forum basically like a magazine was 10 years ago you know i that's what i thought i've always thought that i've always thought the fact that you had um because you had new content every day 
is is what kept it viable. Then and that's and I do believe that that's what hurt a lot of um, magazines was mm-hmm. was the fact that forums showed up and you had articles written by everyday people and the the quote unquote experts are having conniption fits right now because of it because basically it's you know it costs them jobs right and you had some guy that was a uh, i mean let's use the let's use the long range shooting thing as a as a uh, uh, an example here you have guys that are writing articles in magazines that are six, seven months behind what actually is happening. Let's say it's in a long-range shooting world. And it's written by a quote-unquote expert. Now, the guy, the expert is a fellow that just can write and doesn't necessarily mean he can perform. Right. That's one of the things being that I was a little, my short tenure in the magazine industry, I figured out that real quick. Just because you can write doesn't mean you can do. You know, it used to be one of those terms that people said, uh, those who can do, those who can't teach. Mm-hmm. And I, I almost think that there's a lot of that in the writing prior to the forums showing up because I think when the what the forums did was it brought a lot of guys that that were knowledgeable and with a little coaxing they could have they could be brought along to write. And and uh, I know that Tactical Knives got three quarters of their writers from knife forums. Mm-hmm. You know, so I know that that what it did was it was like out with the old and in with the new. Uh, That's a really good point that, uh, you know, knife forums, blade forums, not, when I say knife forums, I mean in general, but um, forums like that, you really are creating excellent content. Even if it's not superbly written, you know, there's a lot of really great content there. Yeah, and, and like I said, a lot of the people that can, can make that kind of content can easily be edited into a knife magazine or a right. gun magazine or whatever, you know, and it's, and it, that frosts the people that are, that have been making a living at that for so many years. And they, they just don't, oh, I'm a journalist. I went to journalism school. So, yeah, you know, and you're and, writing and for so a magazine Facebook that's biased. Crowd, the Facebook platform doesn't lend itself to that. Yes, exactly. You're exactly right. And, and I don't think it, I'm not sure it ever will. I'm not sure that that's ever. I don't think that's what they want to do. No, No, I don't. I don't think it will. And I, from from my perspective, um, in terms of like influencing, um, kind of the cutting edge, uh, the the platforms that I see being most powerful right now are uh, YouTube and Instagram, like pretty much. Period. Um, just because, you know, that's kind of where the seed for a lot of, a lot of the opinions that I see showing up on forums, you know, like a month or two later start is like on, on, uh, Instagram and, and YouTube. And I've seen a lot of the stuff that I put on my YouTube channel. I'll, uh, I'll say something and get flamed for it for, you know, a couple months, and then six months later, that's like the dominant opinion on some of these forums on on any given subject. You know, and they act like, you know, it was always that way. So, you know, I think that video is way more powerful than written word, and you're gonna you're gonna get a lot more people paying attention to a video than you are to a 
poorly written three-page screed on an internet forum with all kinds of people flaming and all kinds of other crap going on <clears throat> yeah, on there. But the, the point is, without, um, without, that other, without that other stuff, um, you'll never get feedback on your, on your videos. Well, yeah, I mean, I have comments enabled on all my videos, you know, and, and um, most of them are pretty respectful. Every There was a couple of older videos that I just kind of had to disable comments on because I just didn't want to interact with it anymore. It was like, you know, you get like a three-year-old video and you're kind of like, well, this video was posted three years ago and you're like finally chiming in on it. It's like, I don't want to answer your question anymore. So eventually you disable the comments, but... You know, since I there's only doing, a few of them like that. Since but. I started doing videos, I I think I must be a narcissist because I go to my videos and I see somebody hit a thumbs down. Uh-huh. I'm like, what's wrong with you? Well, what don't you like? <laughs> it, it really gets to me. It's crazy. And I did a Merry Christmas video, and it got like four people thumbs down. I'm like, who hates Christmas? But I think they just don't like. <laughs> well, that, and that's. That's the thing you got to have. You got to kind of have thick skin if <laughs> yeah. you're going to do that. You know, the, the only reason I have a a YouTube channel is I I started it as uh, something I could you know so that my kids would have video of me mm-hmm. someday. You know, like because I you know it, it was kind of like, geez, I wish I had some video of my grandpa doing stupid shit when he was my age. You know, and then I'm like, well, there's no video of me doing that for my kids. So that that's kind of how it started, and then you know you you make videos about topics that you know, mm-hmm. yeah, or things that you have an opinion about. You know, I'm not making videos on nuclear physics because, frankly, I don't know anything about it, and I don't give a damn. So the videos that I make are things that that I know a little something about, and then that that the side effect of that was that it attracts um, people who are interested in those subjects. Um, but if you do Google search for a number of different topics, the number one Google hit on that topic is going to link to one That's of my videos. Cool. Um, yeah, and it, 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 there's, it's actually a whole bunch of stuff on my channel. That's the number one, um, number one Google link is to stuff on my channel. Whole, you know, like probably 50 or 60 of my videos. Um, so I think that. Because it's easier to watch a video than it is to read a wall of text, I think that YouTube is going to be big. And then I get a lot of my information about like kind of up-and-coming knife stuff and trends in the knife world from um, people that I know on Instagram. So a, a significant portion of the content of this podcast is comes straight from in- Instagram. You know, I'll put up a post up. I'll put post a picture of a knife and I'll say. Hey, we're recording tomorrow. Do you have topics that you want hmm. to talk about? And you know, and I, I just, I, we just get deluged with stuff on there. And then I've got spies that will report stuff to me, um, you know, that happens on different forums or uh, stuff like that. Uh, that Spartan knife that actually came from uh, Chance Sanders on Facebook. So, you know, I think the really the kind of neat underground kind of up-and-coming stuff that that is here you'll see that way before you'll see it on the forums on um, Instagram or from depending on who your Facebook friends are on Facebook Um, but in terms of 
like actually if i if i'm going to go buy a product you know and i i'm like well geez i wonder how big that is or wonder how that compares to something else mm-hmm. i'll go to youtube and look there and i think a lot of people are like that you know so i think that it, it's a very underrecognized um tool at least the the industry doesn't I think seem that, to i think that what what will happen is pay much attention um the big the big names in the industry are always like five years behind whatever. I mean, the paradigm has already shift shifted before they get involved. Um, I think that that's I mm-hmm. you know it, it will be like maybe uh, four years from now there everybody's going to go YouTube and then there's going to be something else mm-hmm. happening happening because one of the things well, that I have it, noticed and I'm, I've been here since '95. So, um, and and it's always been with the same intention. It's not been to to just to screw around and to see stuff. And to, I mean, it's always been what I've been looking at was was these different shifts. And I saw it with the forums. I saw it with Rec Dot Knives. I saw it with Facebook. I saw it with Instagram. I saw it with Twitter. There will be another one coming down the pipe. There always is, and then everybody mm-hmm. will leave the next one behind. Right now. I just saw a thing where where the guy that owns Snapchat just uh, just sold out for one point two billion dollars. He's twenty six years old. There's going to be and and what will happen? Yeah. Whoever bought Snapchat, some big uh, some big corporation bought it, and they will run it to the ground until it's no more. But meanwhile, the the twenty six year old is coming up with something else. <clears throat> And that will happen. And it may not be. It, yeah. it, it, well, it probably I, I will, will say, be something like YouTube. You know, you see that in knives too. That um, you get somebody who's a, a really good maker, and then and, and maybe builds it into a like a, a Gerber, and uh, and then at some point, some big corporation buys them. Yep. And and their stuff just you know they start crunching numbers instead of making knives yep and that's and that's exactly what you know i've I've been told this many many times is that corporations do not create anything Mm -hmm. they absorb stuff that's what they do they absorb stuff they mismanage it and it goes away Um, i mean it it kind of and i'm sure it depends on the the entity but you know when you've got somebody at the top who they who their vertical is in one area and they're passionate about that, then it thrives. But whenever you start getting a, you know, just Gerber for example, a Fiskers, who you know they have multiple different lines. Well, there's not really anybody who's who's at the helm caring about this industry that they just bought. Well, and the other thing too is they're not responsible to their customers. Mm-hmm. As much as they want to it's say the it, it's the shareholders they're responsible to. And it's like that with everything. And they're going to do things that are the, the most cost-effective way for the shareholders to make money. You know, if, it, if it's a matter of making a phenomenal product for $0.10 cents more or, or paying their shareholders $0.10, cents, they're going to pay the shareholders $0.10 because that's what they do. That's what they do. And I'll just tell you that Knives knife Ship Free well, is, in a, to, knife in ship free is a corporation and and my shareholder, Wendy, I I pretty much do whatever she tells me. Exactly. That's the that's <laughs> and, and that's, yeah. that's the truth. Well, one more point about Instagram 
and that's that the big, well, the semi-big companies got on there right away. Um, so if you go to Instagram, you'll see uh, Cold Steel is on there, uh, Tops is on there. I mean, tons and tons and tons of uh, knife companies have a presence on there. Um, yeah. So, you know, th- for what it's worth, um, they're at least participating in that aspect of it. And then a lot of them will hire uh, people to make them YouTube videos and stuff, but it, it's far more effective to, to, at least in my opinion, to get get sort of the, like you said, organic um, mm-hmm. content on 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 YouTube and stuff. But you know, what do I know? I'm just a average guy well, from Iowa. Well, I think Iowa, that that's so. the uh, I think that that's the the thing. If you want to get well, you I mean, nobody knows more about Google than you do, Derek. Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> no, that's not true. You know more than anybody. <laughs> yeah. You, you know, you know. I don't think you I'd know, be a knife dealer if I knew everything about Google. You know the yeah. ins and you know the ins. You know a lot, a lot of the ins and outs I about do, Google, though. I do know a lot about it. You know, and and uh, and I think that um, where the hell was I going with that? Um, I don't know, but what? I was so flattered that I. I, I don't, <laughs> I was trying. I was so sure I needed to convince you that you knew a lot about Google that I totally forgot what the hell I was going to say. Have a good laugh on me, guys. <laughs> one, one more tip. I just got a hot tip off of Instagram right now. Um, for our audience members that are crazy about Bella songs, I'm kind of half crazy about them. Um, but BRS Systems, uh, so the, the guys that make the Alpha Beast, they will have... Uh, premium replicants on sale at blade hq tomorrow so there you go that's information that you would not get on a forum or anywhere else just just from five seconds of looking through instagram you know so and and a lot of companies they don't want to pay for advertising and they don't really need to you know they can just they can just hook into something like that and i guarantee you if you're lucky enough to buy one of those uh from Blade HQ, it'll be pretty amazing. I mean, pretty much everything they make is going to sell in seconds for, you know, crazy money. But anyway, I guess there's there's two things that I pulled off of Instagram today hmm. for the podcast. So anyway, anybody got anything else? Mm, not so much. How about you, Derek? Any, so. any closing uh I think I'd just add that Blade HQ is a really nice store, but they're not as nice as we are. <laughs> so. Oh, of course. Yeah. yeah, we know that. They do have that. But they sell... I don't uh, they sell, have that song, they, Yeah, they sell ball songs and autos. So but that's they don't the have, only reason you'd... Well, that's the only yeah. reason I'd go there. As long as we're clear on that. Well, what? Yeah, yeah well, hey, wh- where do I buy my stuff from? I buy from you. That's right. Um, unless it's a ballad song. Hey, you know what? Uh, <laughs> so. Now that I, we're talking about, uh, let's talk about traditionals for a second. What, what do you have coming down the pipe in your uh, in your folder line? Well, um, in your tr- in traditional slip joints. Yeah, in in our Northwoods line, we have some single blade Madison Barlows coming. Um, people are just really clamoring for that, and mm-hmm. and then we have several new designs that are going to be coming out in that. Uh, line made for us by Great Eastern, 
And then one of the things that I've been watching is that Queen Cutlery um, is an, they're another U.S. manufacturer of traditional knives. Their their quality has just really been doing much much better. Um, and they make a really nice knife now. And so we have 10 projects with them this year. Um, we've got some Barlows and some Lockbacks and um, a Scout knife and things like that. And, and the reason that I, I, whenever we do some traditionals with Great Eastern, because they're amazing at what they do, but they'll only do 1095 or 440C steel. Mm-hmm. And Queen, uh, they're awesome people to work with, um, and they will do just about any steel that I want. And so one of the things that I, I want to do this year is create some very traditional pocket knives with super steels in them, um, you know, just kind of merging new and old. And I, I think it'll I think it'll be a hit. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Well, they don't blank out. Like like uh, right like case or yeah you just absolutely can't right yeah they they have to laser those or water jet them and that's and that makes a big difference my, that makes that's a, all about my pay grade I don't I I don't know how they do all that stuff all I do is I know everything about Google <laughs> well that's all involved selling and stuff you know that's the yeah but, that's the key. Um, Oh, so that's exciting. That's exciting because that's that's all. I mean, that's all coming back too. Uh, and and that's the Northwoods has been a huge line for us. In fact, we brought in five hundred of the Fremont Jacks, and they were sold in like five days. Wow! And now I have a waiting list mm. for them again. It's, I guess oh. they're worth problems to have, right? When you build them, how long does it take you to from? Initial drawings to finish. It kind of depends on where everything's at in the process, but three or four months usually. It depends on if we have to make some new tooling or, and so, uh, Great Eastern. If I'm using one of their patterns, I can often get it in my hand in three months. Mm-hmm. But, but we try to do things that are different than the average knife out there, and so, so it usually takes us a little longer. Right. And the super steels will make it a little bit different too. Oh yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. That's a good idea. I know some companies tried to blank them years ago, and they were, you know, they ruined they ruined dies. They did a lot of damage. Yeah, I, you know the the traditional knife makers have to learn from the modern companies and and follow some of those same manufacturing principles but just apply it to traditional designs, and I think it will open an entirely new market for them. Right, right. Yeah, and that's a, it's, and it's interesting because a lot of those companies are not run by, quote-unquote, knife nuts. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's why the, that's why the difference. You know, you've got, you've got companies that are, that are uh, you know, they've been in, you know, generational businesses, and the people that are working there are, it's a job to them. It's, mm-hmm. not, it's not a passion. And then you're involving an industry that is very passion-driven. <clears throat> right. So one, you, of the neat, one of the neat things about uh, Queen Cutlery and um, Great Eastern Cutlery is they are both run by absolute knife nuts. Mm-hmm. And, and 
Great Eastern started primarily because um, Bill Howard, who was the he was at Queen at the time, he was in charge of all their manufacturing. I think if I'm wrong, tell me. But um, and I think he just got fed up with the big corporate entity that was over them, mm-hmm. and so he went out and started Great Eastern, and he changed the traditional world with that. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then Queen kind of continued on down, going down until uh, the Ken Daniels family bought it. Uh, Ken Daniels was a partner in Great Eastern, and and then he bought Queen and has brought this passion for knives back to it, mm-hmm. which has been really exciting to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's cool. It is. It is awesome. You know, it's a good thing for our business, our whole industry, when that kind of stuff happens. Mm-hmm. Nobody wins whenever a knife company goes out of business or right. the quality goes down, and um, I, I get, it makes me sad when I hear people celebrating some knife company went under or whatever. It's because because you know the, there are not very many new knife companies starting up in the United States. It's a tough business, mm-hmm. and and soon we're. If we're not careful, we won't have any to choose from. Nope. Nope. Well, there's always yes. the custom market. That's true. Yeah, there's plenty yeah. of those. Yeah, but you know what? What's <laughs> interesting about the custom market is most of the guys in it, not all of them, but most of the guys in it aren't very good businessmen. That's that's absolutely true. You know, they're they're uh, uh, phenomenal knife makers, but a lot of them have a hard time paying their electric bill. For for whatever reason, I think I think it's they sell their knives too cheap, but that's just my opinion. But the you know the phenomenal phenomenal artists, just not very good businessmen. They don't they don't value their time very much. Well, and the other thing is they don't know hmm. when to quit because yeah. you know if you get a a knife to I mean, say that that you've got a a total custom Allen Warren knife at the hundred percent, and you've got all these other places in the middle, and you got a a Bark River. It probably hits ninety five percent of that custom stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, it's got the performance and it's beautiful and all that. Stuff. But but if you pick at it, you're going to find some things. That extra five percent adds huge amounts of time for these mm-hmm. custom guys and. If they would stop at ninety nine, they'd make a lot more money. Yeah, yep. Um, but but they're driven by their passion for what they're doing, mm-hmm. and and like you said, it makes them not great business people. Makes them great knives. Make great knives, though. Well, and and pretty much <clears throat> almost every knife that you buy today that's in the custom realm is a, is a bargain. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd, I'd say ninety percent of them. You know the other five, not, the other ninety five percent of them, and the other five percent are uh, are probably priced where they need to be priced, and uh, they're expensive. And people in the knife industry even go, "Wow, that's a lot of money for that knife." And then you go, "Well, you know, if he, the guy worked on it for eighty seven hours." Yeah, you know that's what you have to look at and say that uh, you're right. Most custom knives are a bargain. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's that is the reality of it, and and it always amazes me when I see a production knife company sell a knife for almost the same amount as a 
as a custom maker will make that knife for. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then I go, oh, it happens okay. all the time. It happens all the time. And I, I just immediately say, well, the, that knife that the custom maker just made is a bargain, is a mm-hmm. big bargain, as long as it's made right. And yeah. that's the gamble you take with custom makers is you have to do your homework on them. Mm-hmm. Because if you buy a zero-tolerance knife, if you buy a Benchmade, you know. I mean, obviously there could be hiccups, but you know that's going to be a good knife. Right. It's going to hold an edge. It's mm-hmm. going to function properly. If you have a problem, you know where to go, all that stuff. Custom makers, some of them just make beautiful stuff that doesn't cut worth two cents. Yep. That's actually pretty pretty common. That's actually that's actually pretty yeah. common. A lot more <laughs> than what people believe mm-hmm. you know for for whatever reason well oh, anybody got anything I else good. I think I'm good and I think uh, we really appreciate you coming on Derek hey thanks for having me on and we'll do, I appreciate we'll, you guys uh, kind of propping up the uh, Knives for Kids program <laughs> yeah you need to give away another 5,000 of them yeah you know, <laughs> Actually, I hope that we do. Yeah. I mean, at at ten bucks, we're basically splitting them with the cost the cost with the parents. But what a great thing to have in the hands of kids out there. Yeah, I think I think uh, I think it's a great program. I'm glad you're doing it, um, and we will continue to uh, you know get the get the word out. Thank you very much. You're welcome. And with and how okay. do people find us? You, First, go with Derek. Oh, how, how should they find Derek? Knifeshipfree.com, and then we have a Facebook page that's Knifeshipfree, and then you can search us on Instagram and YouTube. There you go. And uh, and for us, uh, you can right. uh, join us on Facebook. S- swing over to the forum site, knifejournal.com. Uh, follow us on uh, Instagram. Between uh, Kyle and I, we both have Instagram accounts. You can find those on knifejournal.com. You can uh, email us at podcast at knifejournal.com and we will answer you and we will possibly read your email on the air. We didn't get to them this time, but next time we will. And if that's all we got, keep your knives sharp and your friends sharper, guys. Have a good day.